0: Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane.
1: Whether you're a diehard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere
0: you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap.
2: I just remember being like, wait, wait, is this, did this happen? Is this a dream? Am I, wait, am I a widow? Am I a 37 year old widow? <laughs>
1: Hey, Carly. <laughs> um, I haven't seen you in forever.
0: I know. I'm mad at you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I. You went out and you got a life,
1: and I, I don't appreciate it. Got a lady,
0: and I was like, I did got a lesbian. Yeah. Call yourself a lesbian.
1: (laughs) And yeah, we didn't record at all last weekend because I was in Canmore. I know. Sadness. Well, not for me. It was great.
0: (laughs) You know, I tricked you into doing this podcast with me, so you had to spend more time with me. I knew it. Foiled. I foiled
1: your plans. Darn it. My gosh. Canmore was so nice. That's awesome. For those who are listening and are not familiar with Canmore, it's a little town maybe an hour from... Where I live in Calgary, and it's like a little mountain town, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's right in the Rockies. And so we got an Airbnb, and we went on a hike Cute. to a place called what was it called? I don't
0: I don't know. Some I wasn't there. F-
1: <laughs> <laughs> we went on a hike, and it was lovely. It was maybe like twelve kilometers. I see you're trying to sit very carefully. I am trying so to as sit, not but I'm making a noise. a noise. I am it's
0: so okay. sorry. It's okay. I think people by
1: now have realized this isn't the most professional <laughs> get up they've ever listened to. I don't know. Anyway, Canmore was lovely and I cooked her breakfast and it was for Lindsay's birthday. That's why. That's I awesome. Away. Yeah, it was really nice. I'm glad you got to get away. Thanks. How was your week? Two weeks.
0: Good? Oh. I think? Yeah. I don't remember these things. You started your coached 5K again? Yeah. Oh. I ran for seven days straight, and I really hurt my leg, so then like, I when stopped. when you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a dad joke if I've ever heard one. <laughs> yeah, I did it for seven days, and then I really hurt my leg, so then I switched over to cycling one day, or two days, and then I did some, like, ab, leg, arm things. Oh my god, do you want to go on a bike ride with Lindsay and I? Sure. I don't think I'll be able to keep up. No, you're fine. Well, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Lindsay, other than that, my week was boring, I think. I literally have no memory of my week. Well, How that's because I bring wasn't part up? of it. <laughs> it's true. It was m- unmemorable. I do have a funny story, though. Tell me. About work the other day. <laughs> so I dropped the twins off at daycare, and then I went to work. And I had a shirt on that had a pocket, like right over my left. left. <laughs> chesty area. <laughs> and then when I went on my lunch, I... Remembered that my son had put a small rock in my pocket <laughs> at daycare. So I was like, did I look like I had a
1: rogue nipple
0: all morning? You <laughs> did, didn't you? Did I you asked look? all my coworkers and they said that they did not see anything.
1: Yeah, but they're not standing straight in front of you at a wicket. Right. So As customers were
0: like, wow, she's. <laughs> she is perky today. Just on the left just side. I was like, damn it, kid. Like, don't put small rocks in my pocket. That's amazing. It was very funny. I love that so much for you.
1: (laughs) For everybody that got to see it.
0: Yeah. I thought you said you had two things. Okay. My other thing was that uh, my daughter had a sleepover last night and her little friend was here. And her and her friend and then my other daughter were sitting at the table and they were talking about clothing. And they were talking about underwear. And they're like, why does underwear exist? Oh, and no. why do we have to wear underwear? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just silly. And I yeah. was like thinking like, oh like, man, do we start teaching kids about discharge? No, area? I'm like, no, you'll figure it out. Yeah. Like just, you a life just lesson. Think about, think about that. Underwear is, doesn't have any purpose now, but yeah. you'll figure it out. <laughs> I just thought it was funny how like innocent they're like, I don't even understand why underwear exists. I'm like, I don't know. That's,
1: because, um, of course, they're just so innocent. Yeah, exactly. Oh <laughs> girls.
0: You <It was laughs> have so much to experience
1: still. The joys of requiring underwear. I know. It was just funny. That's amazing. Um, can we talk about what we're doing today?
0: Yes. We are having a little pride party. Yeah. Carling has brought her gay agenda. Yeah, yeah. And we <laughs> brought a few extras just few in case. Extras.
1: And uh, bringing my gay partner yeah. over. Yeah, we were, I don't know, we've just had lots of discussions lately around Pride, yeah. like you and I, and it's all over the media, and mm-hmm. we thought, how fun would it be? Um, and the kids were asking. They were like, we want to do something for Pride. Yeah, totally. So, so we're going to decorate cupcakes. And Yeah. Lindsay and I, last like earlier in the week, we froze them. Don't worry, they're not nasty. <laughs> we made rainbow-esque cupcakes. Cute. And then we thought everybody could decorate their own, mm-hmm. and we have some like
0: rainbow coloring things, and... Cute. I think that's adorable. Yeah. They'll have fun with that for sure. You won't though? No, no I won't. <laughs> I'm very anti this. You're going party. to <laughs> I'm gonna stand with a sign that says Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna protest the party. <laughs> I want you to be just outside the window though, yeah. so that it's like a little bit awkward. I'll be
1: like, don't worry. Standing face. on my own lot holding up a sign. <laughs> No, it, it'll be fun. It'll no, be I think that's like super cool of you.
0: I am super cool. You
1: are <laughs> You are really cool. Thanks. And like Lindsay's kids are super into it. Obviously, they have a gay mom. So uh, hopefully they, they're not homophobic. I don't know. They're going
0: to stand out on the lawn with me.
1: <laughs> they're like,
0: oh, is that an option? Are we allowed to... Can we protest this? <laughs> because we are... On board. No, we are very supportive and yeah. love is love and we love everybody and we're happy to celebrate Pride Month and yeah, we're going to um, post a few features on our Instagram page all month about some of our guests who are part of the LGBTQ plus community and yeah. yeah, we'll just live it up. I was trying to find some,
1: so maybe if you're listening and you know of some, please send them to me. I was trying to find some like, like YouTube videos or like tiktok accounts or like you know what the kids watch these days but something that was age appropriate that explained the history
0: of Pride, Month.
1: because so blue's
0: Clues just came out with a pride episode we could watch that
1: that's adorable how cute is that
0: well i think it's really good because
1: you know i well also we decide i decided are you gonna tell everyone that you're gay it's (laughs) i have an announcement to make (laughs) and i thought this was the most appropriate way okay uh, no, I uh, we decided on our Patreon, mm-hmm. I'm going to do my coming out story. I know, I'm
0: so excited. Yeah,
1: so for the month of June. So it'll be not this Friday, but next mm-hmm, Friday. Mm-hmm. And so if you, well, nice segue, Carling. Oh. If you haven't already and you want to support us and listen to my pride coming out story. Yeah,
0: totally.
1: Uh, check out our Patreon. And it's just a $5 monthly subscription and you get access to over 33 33 bonus episodes that that's you can't crazy. find anywhere else that's so many bonus episodes i know that is that's bonkers bonkers i'm bonkers for bonus episode what was i talking about oh so part of my coming out story is that i didn't have public figures or yeah. representation in my life of the queer community yeah. and so although i had feelings and i knew that i wasn't straight
0: mm-hmm.
1: at a really young age i just didn't see mm-hmm. anybody that looked like what I was feeling.
0: I mean, even Disney came out with a little short feature yeah. about it, and something else that I was thinking. Oh, there's a movie, The Mitchells versus the Machines, mm-hmm. has an LGBTQ plus member in it, and yeah, yeah, it's all. It's I all just over think the place. it's so good because. You know, people who think, well, now I'm just on some sort of pride
1: high oh horse. Lord. People who think that, oh, like, I don't want my kids seeing that because they might become mm-hmm. gay or trans or what, bi, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not accurate. They are or they aren't. Yes. And mm-hmm. the best thing I think you can
0: do is, like, give them representation in a age And an not only that, but but gay people still exist, whether it's in yeah. the media or not. I'm Like... Here. I'm here. I'm queer. Get be used to, to it. it. <laughs> Anyways, Anywho, that's our little pride It's going to be so
1: fun tonight, and maybe we'll post some pictures of our cupcakes on Instagram. And then next month, we'll have a straight pride. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about the history of uh, bigotry and homophobia, and uh, we will join a protest. <laughs> Lord. Okay, no, guys. No, no, no. I feel like now we need to really take okay, it down let's a bring notch. it down. Because today's episode comes with a trigger warning. It does. And, you know, I try to be like a little bit lighthearted with trigger warnings just because I don't want it to be, I don't know, taken seriously. I don't know. <laughs> like I do, <laughs> but we are lighthearted people. We are. Yeah. So, anyway, before this episode starts, please, please, please note uh, this episode deals with suicide and there is a lot of frank discussion about it. And, um experiences about it and so we want to make sure before you listen to the rest of this episode that you're in the right Mm headspace that you're feeling like you are in a safe space to listen to it and And always take care of yourself after yourself and reach out to your support
0: system um and if you are feeling suicidal um yeah reach out and and talk to somebody
1: yeah all right. Let's get into it. Now I feel weird cuz now our our chipper music's going to start. I know that's not great. I need to find the same sound but in a slower more Oh, that's not our music. No, but that's great. I'm going to use that sound clip. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Hello Victoria.
2: Hello Michelle and Carleen. How are you? How are you? I'm doing okay today. Do you know what? I, we love your
1: voice.
0: Yeah, I just uh, said, I was like, I love her voice. And
1: for some reason, like as soon as I heard your voice, like I knew this is what you'd sound like. There's like a familiarity to it. I don't know. Just uh-huh. random fact of the day. Well, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Um. Yeah, I'm always like, I always just love when we interview people from other countries, like even though you're a neighbor, but I don't know. You just have like a dialect that's a little bit different than ours, and I really like
2: it—the California, California dialect. Yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Well, we're super excited to chat with you today. It's—I feel like we talked a long time ago, and it just—it took us this long to get our schedules uh-huh. coordinated. So why don't you start by introducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about like you, what you do, your family, and then we'll kind of get into it. Okay.
2: Um, well, my name is Victoria Moore. And I am a mom of two children. Um, I homeschool them. I've been homeschooling them for over seven years now. Wow. Oh my
1: God, good before,
2: for you. Yeah, before all of it got, you know, a Mandatory. little bit more popular. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> mandated. Um, so, yeah, I've been doing that for about seven years and love it. Um, I have my blog and my website where I just basically empower and inspire people to live happier and healthier Kind of started out more with just um, like tips and tricks, healthy recipes for kids, DIY recipes, things like that. And then it's since kind of evolved after losing my husband to where I kind of share a little bit more about our journey, our grief journey, um, emotional wellness and things like that. Mm-hmm. wow that's, that's really
1: yeah that's really important and I think yeah once when there's a big life change and people can shift their branding a little bit to align more to be more authentic in what they're going through yeah. I think it's I don't know it's so I don't know
2: accessible for people yeah yeah definitely so you have two kids right I do I have a almost 10 year old and an almost 12 year old my god like so they're both preteens <laughs> I know bless oh, you goodness. and you're
1: yeah that's a lot <laughs>
0: Yeah. I, I, I've, I've got two of those at home and it's, uh, sometimes they love each other. Sometimes they hate each yeah. other. They it's a go roller through coaster. like hormones at different times.
2: It's like a whole yes. thing. yeah, Yeah, exactly. Sometimes they love me. Sometimes they hate me. Yeah. 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 yeah it's <laughs> definitely never a dull moment. That's for sure. Wow. And so they're
0: also, and similar to my kids, they're, um, experiencing grief on top of all of that. I don't know. I'm sure you've come across this too, where you're kind of thinking like, is this puberty? Is this grief? Is this hormones? Is this, you know, typical for their age? I kind of struggle with that every day too, with my, with my oldest.
2: Yes, definitely. That's something that sometimes I just have to be like, oh gosh, like what is their problem? And then I have to remember all that they've been through and how it's just, you know, having all the emotions and the hormones and everything on top of experiencing grief. Yeah. It can be hard to kind of pinpoint what's actually causing the attitude absolutely
1: I struggle even like I don't have nearly as much trauma and grief as like Michelle's kids for example and sometimes I'm like what is with my attitude today and like (laughs) I have to sit through and be like what am I feeling and I'm like an adult in therapy you know like so I can only imagine also navigating a kid's life yeah exactly yeah yeah So you are going to tell us a story about your husband. So I'd love it if you could introduce us to him and sort of tell us about him
2: and how you met. Sure. So his name was Marcus Moore and we met, oh gosh, forever ago. It seems like I think in 2006 or 2007 Mm -hmm. and I think 2006 because we got married in 2008. So that makes sense. Um, We weren't together that long before we got married. We just randomly – we met actually out at a bar one night. Oh, fun. (laughs) Just out with friends, and um, our paths crossed, and we just hit it off right away. We moved in together after six months got engaged um, after about a year, and then got married about a year after that. Yeah, we were married for almost 11 years before he passed. We had our daughter actually on our one-year wedding anniversary. The one day I didn't want her to come, and she (laughs) decided to make her appearance that day. So (laughs) we never truly had... like a real anniversary other than you know without kids we always it was kind of it was all of our day it was like our we call it like our love day because it was me and him and then her but she um would always be like well it's my birthday so we'd celebrate our anniversary just like whenever we would pick like a random day and say like oh let's go here let's do this let's do that so yeah we were married for almost 11 years and then he had always kind of struggled with depression And um, especially prior to before I knew him, I guess he had struggled very deeply with it. And when we were together, there was not, he wasn't really depressed. I mean, everybody would always kind of not make a joke, but always just kind of comment that, you know, how much happier he was with me and how, you know, like I was basically just brought him so much happiness and stuff. And so we never really had any issues with his depression until probably... Maybe a few months before he passed, and then it just it just seemed to happen very quickly. Um, He just kind of got really heavy, heavily depressed, and we were trying to help him through it. He was going to a doctor and things like that. Um, And then, unfortunately, he took his life on May 23rd of 2019. So sorry.
1: Was he really open to discussing his? struggles with mental health before he had
2: met you? Yeah, he had let me know that, you know, he had been on antidepressants and that he struggled through college. Um, And then he wasn't on the antidepressants anymore. He didn't get on them until like a few months before he passed.
1: And was there something that triggered that,
2: that sort of spiral or like, how did that come about? Well, so part of me wonders because, so he was 11 and a half years older than me. Mm, so okay. he was about, he passed away when he was 49 um, I don't know if it was just a combination of midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. He was very unhappy with his job. And so um, I had been telling him, you know, let's make some changes. Let's get you into doing something that you enjoy doing because he had just, he was a teacher. He was not happy being a teacher for a while. Um, and so I kind of thought it was more situational mm-hmm. because it just kind of seemed to kind of revolve around work, you know, during summer and on vacation and stuff like that. He was totally fine. Uh But when he would go to work every day, he just was very, very unhappy. And so I had, um, you know, tried to tell him, you know, we can make changes There's things that we could do, like, we're going to be okay, you know, there's light at the end of this tunnel, kind of, you know, I'm just a very um, positive person in general. Uh And so now I kind of sit back and think like, well, gosh, was I, you know, gaslighting him and making him feel like his feelings weren't valid. So I have a lot of um, kind of. (sighs) questions about that even though deep down I know that I obviously had nothing to do with how you know how it turned out yeah 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 there's just kind of all the complications that come with suicide loss like I know that there's a lot of emotions I've, I've experienced grief you know I had three miscarriages when we were trying to have kids I've lost grandparents that I was close to all those things and so I had been familiar with grief but to me losing somebody by suicide just brings so many different complicated emotions yeah that it can be hard to process
0: I mean, just the questions after are so enormous and you can take yourself in so many different directions asking yourself, you know, what if, and what, you know, what could we have done differently? Yeah. Yeah, It's so difficult. So when he was um, in this, you know, more depressive state and he was on medication, did he express to you that he was suicidal or was it just kind of, he, he was battling depression and you're trying to find the right, you know, medication and help for him?
2: Well, basically how how I even realized that he was suffering as much as he did is one morning um, he was getting ready for work. And so I'd wake up in the morning, I'd make his lunch and make him tea and get him ready and stuff before he went off for the day. And he was just kind of acting really solemn and really just weird, weird vibe about him. And so um, he was in the bedroom and he was kind of sitting there on the bed and rubbing his head. And I had said to him, I was like, hey, you know, is everything okay? What's going on? And he said, can I be honest with you? And I said, well, yeah, of course I'm your wife. Like, I yeah. want you to be honest with me. And he said, you know, he's like, I want to let you know that when I drive to work in the morning, you know, I look for good places to crash my car, to kill myself. And I was like, oh, okay. I had no idea we are at that level. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it just kind of, so he was open with me that he was having those thoughts. Um, I don't know how long before he admitted to me that he was having them, but when he told me that that morning... I um, took his car keys, I called his um, work and said he wouldn't be going in, and I actually took him to the emergency room to Mm -hmm. see somebody because we had um, our neighbor who lived a couple houses down from us, she had lost her 18-year-old to suicide about six months before my husband took his life. And so um, when I heard kind of her story about how broken the mental health system was, how long it takes to get an appointment and all that stuff. I knew he was upset and he was depressed, but I I did not realize at the time that he was having suicidal thoughts, but Mm -hmm. I'm just a kind of a very proactive person. So I actually went online to kind of see if something happens, how do we fast track to get him to a, a, you know, a doctor and somebody that can help him ASAP without having to wait the six days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew to take him to the emergency room. And so that's what we did. Was that really
1: hard to sort of, like, was he on board with it? Or did you just sort of say, we're doing
2: this, whether you want to or not? You know, I mean, I I was going to do it regardless of Mm -hmm. if he wanted to or not. But he didn't put, he didn't put up much of a fight. He didn't, I mean, obviously he wasn't thrilled about going, but Mm -hmm. I think he knew deep down that, you know, he needed the help and and I was going to do whatever it took to get him that help. So, so you drove
1: Marcus to the hospital Mm-hmm. And did you just drop them off or like, what's the process? You go in and you say, my husband needs help.
2: Yeah. So I sat with him in there actually for hours. So my kids, so I told you I homeschool, but my kids go to onsite classes. Um, mm-hmm. at the time they were going twice a week. So it happened to be a day that they were going to their onsite classes. Oh, good. So we hopped in the car, I dropped them off at their class. And then I took him to the nearest hospital to where I had dropped them off and sat there with him for a couple hours and then when it was time for me to go pick up the kids, I told him, I was like, you know, I have to go pick up our babies. I have to go, you know, mm-hmm. pick them up. Um, and so he was like, you know, he totally understood and was kind of waiting to see what was going to happen. And then he had called me and said, you know, they want me to, or, I mean, they obviously it's a voluntary mm-hmm. decision, mm-hmm. but he was like, you know, this is what they think I should do. And so I just said, well, you know, it this is for you to make that decision because, I can't tell you yes or no that you need to go to a psychiatric hospital. It has to be ultimately your decision. And so he did. He checked himself in for, I think, two or three days. Um, and then we he called me like on the third day and said, okay, you know, they're releasing me. I get to see my doctor in like 48 hours. Oh, and wow. so we went and picked him up and we were going to a doctor about once a week. And yeah. And what did you tell your kids when
1: their dad was going into the hospital? Did What was that conversation?
2: Well, see, I've always been very open and honest with my kids, even though they were only, what, seven and nine at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, you know, there's no handbook for how to handle this. So yeah. it's you're, you're kind of going back and forth between, you know, do I tell them the truth, you know, or do I not tell them the truth? You know, how do we approach this? And so I just had to be real honest with them and just say, you know, Your dad is sick right now. You know, he is um, having, you know, emotional things going on and he needs help. And so I was just very honest with them. So they, I don't know how much they understood of what actually was going on. Yeah. um, Because they were still so little at the time. I don't even know if they could even comprehend really what was going on. But I did have to tell them, you know, he's in a hospital, he's trying to get help.
0: Wow. Wow! And did you find that the, um, the therapy and things were helping for him or? Nope. no
2: No, <laughs> no, <not> at <laughs> no. Nope. Um, and in fact, I would talk to his therapist a lot cause he would want me to go to the appointments with him. Right. And I personally felt that the doctor was just more concerned with what medication he was on mm-hmm. than really anything else. And so, um, probably I would say maybe eight months to a year before all of this happened, I actually had trained with a uh, clinical psychologist for about a year with how to help people with PTSD and different emotional blocks and things like that through, um, it's a process called, um, it's aroma freedom technique and then there's um, traumatic memory release technique. And so just kind of learning those sort of different modalities. And, um, I'm also, I'm certified in like over 13 different modalities. So hypnosis, meditation, neuro-linguistic programming. So I had an understanding of kind of emotional things that he should have been doing. And so I would always ask the doctor, you know, like, well, should he be journaling? Should he be meditating? Should he be going to group therapy sessions? Should he be doing something in addition to coming here once a week and being on medication? Yeah. yeah. And the doctor was like, oh, well, you know, it sounds like you got it all figured out. So Uh, that's it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I kind of feel like it. It, in a sense, was dumped on me. Yeah. Um, but I don't have any other experience with the mental health industry and going to doctors under those kind of circumstances. So maybe that's just kind of protocol. Yeah. I don't know. I know in
0: Canada we have, um, you know, we have this the counselors the psychologists, and then the doctors are separate. So the doctors are the ones that are um, prescribing the medication, mm. and the psychologists are who you're going to to talk about. So I don't think the psychologists are prescribing medication? no psychiatrists can. oh yeah so the psychiatrist say. versus oh, okay. yeah I think okay.
2: psychologists are more like they talk more
0: right they are yeah. more
2: about the talk therapy whereas um psychiatrists are I think a little bit more about the medication right right at least in my experience
0: and did you find that they were um they were kind of not understanding why he was feeling the way he was feeling
2: yeah I mean It just, I don't know. I did not get a very good vibe from the doctor just in general. And maybe Mm -hmm. that's just, I'm more holistically minded. And so, like I said, I was looking for more things as far as, you know, what should he be doing to help himself emotionally? Are there different practices that he could be doing? And it just seemed to me that the doctor was just kind of like, well, you know, we gave him medication and that's what we do. And Yeah. Yeah, You want something more tangible. Like, yes, there's
1: medication, but
2: should he be doing
1: yoga? Should he be yeah. eating a certain diet? Should he be, you know, like but there's, there's so there's, much.
0: There's pillars when it comes to mental health. There's the mm-hmm. medication, there's the the therapy, and there's the physical, like the exercise and the physical yeah. um, work that needs to be done. It's not just medication alone.
2: Yeah, exactly. Ugh, and did you, have
0: a, did
1: you have much of a support system with family or friends?
2: Well, to be honest, we, not a whole lot of people really knew what was going on. Just right. because of, I mean, basically the whole mental health stigma, right? Yeah. Yep. He, didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't really want anybody to know. He felt vulnerable and weak. And so a few close friends and family members knew, but I don't know if they truly knew the extent of it until mm-hmm. everything happened. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we had gone to Portugal, I think a month before, maybe a month and a half before he took his life. Um. And so, I mean, it's a long flight to Portugal. It was what, like 12 hours or something like that. Oh, yeah on the way over there, I had watched A Star is Born. And immediately when I watched it, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is going to be my life. This yeah. is going to happen to me. And I just got chills. It was like, right when I saw that, I immediately knew that, Oh my gosh, this is going to happen. Yeah. Oh, and then boy. I, but I liked the movie so much. It was such a good movie and I loved the music and everything. So then on the way back from Portugal, I watched it again and I was like, yep, hundred oh, percent. Like gosh. it was like, I just knew. And so, yeah, it was, how do you process that? So
0: you're that, like anticipatory grief. Yeah. Right? You're, yeah. you're on
1: no vacation
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you're trying to help him and support him. And you're doing all the things that the doctors are telling you to do, whether it's mm-hmm. enough or not, but you just have this sense of yeah. Anticipatory grief.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to explain. Cause I mean, I don't know. Like when I tell people like, yeah, I watched that movie and I just knew yeah. it was going to happen. And they're like, what? they think it's the craziest thing. I'm like, I don't yeah. know how to explain it. It was, I just knew, yeah. I just knew.
1: Okay, so you're in Portugal, you see this movie, do you talk to your husband about it? Or I guess, what's the dynamic between you and your husband? Because I feel like there would be a shift in your marital dynamic that, yeah, yeah I don't know, because you're, you're partners, but now you're kind of caregiver, bodyguard, mm-hmm. This like that's what I feel mm-hmm. like it would be.
2: Yeah. And so that was one of the things when um, we were going through it is, you know, I I told him one day, I was like, you know, I love you. And obviously, you know, we did our vows till death do us part and I'm here for you regardless. I said, but this is so hard on me because I don't feel like your wife. I feel like I'm your caretaker. Yeah. I feel like I'm, you know, it was, it was very much our, um, husband wife dynamic was, I don't want to say it was dissolved at that point because it wasn't dissolved, Mm -hmm. but it just, It wasn't like how it was for, you know, (laughs) the 10 years before that. Yeah.
0: Well, and you're trying to figure out what to do and what's going to make it worse and what's going to make it better, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh
2: On top of homeschooling two kids, working from home, doing everything else. And so it was just, it was a lot on me at the time. It was very, very, very heavy.
1: And so you said Portugal was
2: one month before his passing, yeah, I think we went the end of March and then he took his life on May 23rd. Mm-hmm. So it was about a month or two before, month and a half before.
1: So can you talk a little bit about what that month in a bit, what was that? What was that like? Was there a big shift? Was the did things get a lot worse?
2: Yeah, they did. It got yeah. to the point to where I mean, he just wanted to lay in bed all day. He right. did not want to get up. He didn't want to do anything. He used to um He was a very avid bicyclist, so he would go either mountain biking or road biking or even dirt biking. He just could not find joy in anything, in anything. It's like I would ask him a question like, you know, what do you want for dinner? What do you want to do today? What should – you know, just anything. And he was just like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Wow. He was just – yeah, he really did not care about anything. And he was still
1: seeing his psychologist or psychiatrist? Yes. Yeah.
0: And what was it like for your children? Did they notice – the the difference did they notice the shift in
2: him um I'm sure they did because I mean it was very noticeable he was just a very fun happy-go-lucky person he was the type of person when he passed so many of his friends couldn't believe it because they're like he's the one who helped me through my hard time Mm -hmm. like I had no idea that he was even struggling with this yeah Yeah. so um a lot of people that he hadn't seen in a while had no idea at all Mm -hmm. um some of the people that he would still see regularly would comment like, you know, what's going on with him? Is everything okay? And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd, I would be honest with him and tell him, you know, no, not really. He's kind of, you know, he's going through some stuff. Um, The kids I'm sure noticed. It's not something that we've actually like talked about a lot, but I mean, they had to have noticed. Yeah. yeah they absolutely. had to have. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think kids are per- perceptive even if they don't really have the language to sort of explain it. They just know that there's been a change.
2: Yeah. yeah they just, you know, dad is, daddy's sad. He's, you know, he's not his normal, happy self going out and playing sports with them or whatever. Was he off work at this point? Did he take a leave? He was. So he was on a leave. That's um, basically, that was kind of one of, I mean, on top of him vocalizing that he wanted to take his life. That was another main reason why uh, we went to the ER and did all that is because he, in order for him to stay off of work for an extended period of time, he needed to have a doctor's note. I knew, and he knew, I mean, if we had to wait six to eight weeks to try to see a doctor, it probably would have happened much sooner. Yeah. Yeah. So in what I had learned about going to the ER and learning kind of how to fast track to getting him to see somebody who could help him right away, I knew that that's what we were going to have to do was go into the emergency room. And so that was, that was kind of the first step to try to get him on a leave so that we, I could try to start helping him more because when he was going to work every day, it was like, it was making it worse Yeah. and he couldn't just get, they wouldn't just give him a leave off of work.
0: That job is, so stressful, right? And you would, Mm -hmm. you would hope that your mental health would be important and a factor in, in needing time. Absolutely.
2: so that's, well, especially when you're a teacher of, you know, 32 young kids. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, I mean, like I said, I homeschool, but if my kids were in a classroom setting and their teacher was, Mm -hmm. you know, having issues with that, I would want them to get help. Absolutely. I wouldn't want it to be like, Oh, well, you should have to just wait for summer or just, you know, Yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of just like a suck it up mentality. Oh, yeah. Lord.
0: That is yeah. so hard. And that is so not the example that you want to set for children in school because exactly. when they're suffering like that, you don't want them to feel like they have nobody to, to go to and no options. Yeah, exactly. Ugh.
1: I'll sort of leave this next part for whatever your comfort level is, but can you walk mm-hmm. us through like the days leading up to and the day of his
2: death? Yeah. So, um, the day before I was just, oh I was just done that day. I was just in a bad mood, just emotionally everything. Um, I never get headaches. Mm. I had the biggest migraine that whole day, which was the weirdest thing. Another weird thing is, okay, so I had this headache. I did a meditation in the morning and it was the craziest meditation. And it was like, my higher self came to me and gave me a big hug and just said, you know, I'm so sorry that you're having to go through this, but this is what you need to do. You know, this is going to be what's going to take you through life and you're going to help so many people and all this stuff. And so when I got done meditating and I was kind of, I had like journaled afterwards and I was reflecting on what had been said to me in the meditation, I was thinking it was in terms of everything I had gone through with trying to help him. I didn't realize that it was almost like my my higher self telling me what I was going to go through in the future. Yeah, yeah. So I was just kind of, I was in a funk that day. I was just in a bad mood. Um, Like I said, headache, just kind of like grumpy, complaining stuff. So him and I were just kind of not getting along that uh-huh. day. That night I was mad. And so I decided that I was going to sleep on the couch because I didn't want to sleep in bed with him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because I was mad. Yeah. Um, And then the next morning woke up. And we kind of got in a fight and then it happened. Wow. Yeah. Oh, oh no.
1: And so what happened in your home?
2: Um, It happened. We had a detached garage. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So the kids were sleeping. We had gone out into the garage and yeah. 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 Oh, oh I'm my God. so sorry. Yeah. Wow. It was pretty horrible. No kidding.
0: And so you're, God, my
1: heart's just broken for you. It's so you're awful. alone and this thing has just happened. Mm-hmm. W- what do you do? Do you call 911?
2: Oh yeah. immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's what I had to do. And then, yeah. so I, I called them. And so then I was trying to tell them that, you know, you need to get somebody here right now. And then I was like, and I got to go because I need to call my mom because I wanted my mom there. You yeah. know, my parents yeah. lived like a couple miles away. Um, and like I said, my kids were sleeping. So yeah. I wasn't even in the house when I called 911. I was standing outside my house cause I didn't want them to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so <sighs> the police came and I had called my mom. My mom came I had tried to call um, Marcus's parents, my in-laws, and they didn't answer. Thank goodness, because I don't know how I was thinking I was going to tell them. Yeah. Um, and so then I called my sister-in-law and she answered the phone and I told her and oh. she's, you know, freaking out screaming. And I was like, I need you to call his parents and tell him because I can't yeah. do this. Yeah. yeah. And I had, you know, the cops there and they're, you know, asking me all these questions and basically, you know, like an investigation. And so then they came over to the house and so we were all there and um, my dad ended up when the kids woke up, they saw the excitement of the police and the fire trucks. And they thought we had a neighbor who, um, she was older. And so the paramedics would come to her house like every couple days. Oh. So my kids thought that they were there for her yeah. and yeah. they're like, Oh my gosh, they're here for the neighbor. And I was like, well, no, you guys. And I had to like, I had to tell them in that moment. So was wow. this late at night? Like were, were they woken up in the night because of the excitement? no it it was actually in the morning, yeah, oh. it had happened. I think he had done it at like five forty in the morning, okay. is what yeah, oh so yeah, it was still and pretty early in the morning
1: so how do how do you we did a Patreon episode where Michelle sort of talks about the aftermath, like life after loss, and sort of the things that you don't really think about,
2: mm-hmm. and like how
1: do you tell your kids that their parent has passed,
2: yeah. No, it's hard. You know, like I said, there's no, there's no handbook for this. Oh, hold on guys. Let me, let me get my book and see what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. um, (laughs) You're just like in that moment. And so again, you know, you're faced with the decision of, do I be honest about it? Do I make something up? Do I Mm -hmm. just say that something else, like, you're all these things are running through your head of how how do I tell them? Mm-hmm. What do I say? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just really honest. I said, No, you know, they're not here for the neighbor, they're here for your dad. You know, your dad passed away and that was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do.
0: Absolutely.
2: Oh. Yeah. But also on-
0: I feel like honesty is the best way, you know, in that moment, whatever yeah. is organically gonna come out of your mouth is what probably is the right thing thing. yeah yeah Yeah.
2: absolutely I mean I think it's gonna be different for everybody based on their circumstances or for me like I said I just I just was very open and honest with them and then my dad was there and I just looked at my dad and I said get them out of here take them to your house they need to I can't have them here for all of this yeah Yeah. um so he took them to the house and my mom stayed there with me my sister and brother-in-law were there and then yeah having to deal with all everything with the police
1: what were the kids reactions in the moment
2: Oh, honestly I I don't even remember because I feel like I had like an out of body experience. Yeah. I mean, I think it was just a mixture of shock and like, what did she just say? Like mm-hmm. Yeah. There there wasn't really I, I don't know, I think they were just like completely shocked. Like I don't remember them like really heavily crying or anything like that. I think it was just kind of like Just a big shock to them. Yeah, Yeah,
1: like that's it's too much information for their to process their brains to process in a moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, because
2: even when I was dealing with the stuff with the police, I kept you know I would pick up the phone and call my dad, and I'm like, "How are they doing?" And he was like, "It's really weird. Like they seem fine." And I was like,
1: "What?" Yeah, yeah. I think that's one. Yeah, that's watching kids process traumatic information and grief is so different than the way adults process it I've Mm -hmm. noticed and yeah yeah there's just such a
0: well, I remember talking to a counselor and they said that, that kids can very easily kind of compartmentalize, that they can put it aside and they can still play and they can have fun. Yeah, and it's like can, for their
2: own protection. Yeah, they do they that. yeah it's they do like, like their things. brain protecting themselves. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Whereas adults are just like, it's I don't just know. We're just, just drowning in it at yeah. all times, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't have that grace of being able to just be like, mm,
1: I just need a break from thinking about this. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. And so, how far away did his parents live or his family?
2: Um, his brother and sister-in-law just lived like 15 minutes, from if, uh, sorry, 15 minutes from us. Um, okay. his parents are about six hours north. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so they came? They came down a couple days later. Okay. Oh, OK. Yeah. They um, they were going to come down that day. And then I had told my sister because I didn't even talk to them for like a couple of days. After yeah. that, I was just trying to, you know, you know, handle it with me, and my kids. So I had told my um, brother and sister-in-law, I said, I don't think that they should drive down here today. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
2: think that, you know, they need to wait a day or two to process it. I said there's really no sense in them coming down right now anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just to come down and be sad with all, I mean, obviously like we wanted them there and it's better to be around family and stuff when you're going through all that. But I, I personally didn't want them to drive while they were experiencing such heavy grief. I was worried about them driving, you know, six hours. And I don't,
1: I don't even know. Like what, (laughs) what do the next hours days look like?
2: Oh, I was in a fog. I don't even, I swear the whole first year, I don't hardly even remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember bits and pieces. Um, I just remember being like, wait, wait, is this, did this happen? Is this a dream? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> am I, wait, am I a widow? Am I a 37 year old widow? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. I just remember, I just kept saying that. I just kept walking around being like, what in the hell? Like yeah. what is yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah. wow. I probably said that like literally like every five minutes I would just like stand there and I'd be like, what? <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. And so I remember saying a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And had you guys
1: in your marriage talked about like, after life plans, like, what your wishes
2: would be? None. We didn't have a will or anything. We were just so unprepared. Mm -hmm. So then it's all of a sudden, you know, do you want cremation or burial? Like, what do we do? How are, you know, and it was, like, all of these things that we had never discussed them. Yeah. So how do
1: you, how do you start to make those plans? If, If you, like, yeah, you're just, like, making
2: these decisions, I don't know, arbitrarily? Yeah. Well, I mean, first for me was kind of from a cost perspective, you know, you know, burial versus cremation and stuff. And then I just kind of started calling different, um, funeral homes and kind of talking to them and seeing what kind of vibe I would get. And I ended up talking to this one gentleman who was very, very nice and decided that I was going to go through his funeral home. And he was amazing because I never even had to step foot in the funeral home. He came to my parents' house because I moved in with my parents right after that. Okay. He came to my parents' house, had me fill out all the paperwork, did everything, took care of everything. Um, even like when he, when everything was said and done, he brought the ashes back to my house. Um, I dropped him, or no, he had picked up, um, I had ordered some cremation jewelry, but I didn't want to put the ashes in there myself because that just weirded me out. Yeah. So yeah. I told him, like, you know, I want these for my kids and I want, um, I was making jewelry for myself and my mother in law and stuff. And I said, but I don't want to look at it. I don't want yeah. to touch it. And he's like, yeah. oh, no, I'll do it for you. And, came and picked up everything and took care of... And he was just... He was awesome. That's amazing. He was so awesome. So that made the process a little easier. Yeah. Um, and then as far as the celebration of life, I didn't want to do kind of like a traditional funeral type thing. Um, we were kind of very untraditional people. So I just kind of wanted to make it like a party with all of our loved ones and have it be as lighthearted and something that he would have, you know, enjoyed.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. And
2: yeah. so... We just did that. We had um, our friends, like I said, my neighbor who they lost their son to suicide. He played a song on his guitar that he had played for his son's funeral that he wrote. And my husband loved it. So I asked him if he would play that song.
1: wow. So he
2: did. And we um, had some butterflies. We did a butterfly release. It was actually really nice. Oh, and then because I was still kind of angry and mad at him for making his decision. So the food that we, (laughs) the food that I picked was all stuff that I really liked that he never (laughs) liked. (laughs) was kind of like my little jab yeah <laughs> so like amazing. my my mother-in-law was like well why are you ordering those he doesn't like those and I'm like exactly he's not yeah. here I'm like uh, I needed to give him a reason to complain one last time oh so my you go God. <laughs> so. and that's how I feel is I feel I'm still very much in the angry stage because I'm like wow so you did what you did because you're overwhelmed. And now here I am like, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, so completely overwhelmed makes, you know, not to say it makes what he looked like or what he went through look like nothing. Cause I, I don't want to discount what he yeah. was going yeah. through, but it's like, this is probably one of the most overwhelming things that anybody could experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. so I, I do find myself getting very angry on most days where I'm like, really buddy? Like, come on. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Like we, we could have, we could have, figured this out, you know? Exactly.
2: Yeah. And and my thing with suicide, one thing that I've kind of come to terms with is I don't know if there's true suicide prevention. I don't know if somebody decides that they want to take their life. I don't know if you could actually truly stop them. Right. I think that mm-hmm. if there is a moment of opportunity paired with a moment of despair, that it's very easy for them to make a life-changing decision. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of from my experience because... Yeah. Like when I talk to people, sorry, my dog's. Oh, that's
0: okay. <laughs> like I um, know you're in there.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I truly think that if, if somebody wants to make that choice, that there's not a whole lot you could do to right. stop them if they get yeah. that moment of opportunity. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I tell people, I don't think there's enough God, and I don't think there's enough Jesus. So, uh-huh. I mean, enough love or enough Jesus. You know? Yeah.
0: I mean, yep. Yep. Agreed.
2: Yeah.
1: I never know like sort of like, yeah, where to take the conversation because there's so many,
0: well, I'm just interested facets. in like what you've, you know, this terrible thing has happened and now, you know, like you said, during your meditation that you had this epiphany that, you know, you're going to be able to help people with mm-hmm. what you've experienced. So what have you done and what have you, yeah, like what, what is your plan? I guess
2: pretty much like the, like first couple of days after it happened, um, I knew that I was going to turn my pain into a purpose but right. I was going to do something with this I was going to help people um, he, I wasn't going to let him die in vain I knew for my children that they had already lost their dad to depression and suicide and I wasn't going to let them lose their mom to grief so uh-huh. I was going to do whatever I could to try to show them that you know we don't get to choose circumstances in our life unfortunately but we can kind of choose how we move forward from them so I try to do whatever I can um, like one-on-one and group coaching with other widows or people that have, um, even widows of, that have experienced suicide. So I'll do, like I said, like my um, traumatic memory release technique and things like that, different hypnosis sessions. I actually created a hypno meditation album for um, people who have suffered from grief and trauma and loss. And I have that on iTunes. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had actually had um, two hypno-meditation albums prior to this. I had one for um, pregnancy and labor because I had both my kids natural, drug-free, water births. Oh, wow. Um, so I had that one, and then I had one for people that weren't pregnant because I didn't know I was going to do a grief one. Obviously, the yeah. grief one happened. After all of this, um, I would just record hypno-meditations for myself and listen to them. And then I decided, well, I've already, I have already already have two other albums out. Maybe this is something that people could use. And so I yeah. put that on iTunes. I am starting a nonprofit for widows and families affected by suicide that's called I Love You More.
0: And... Oh, that's
2: what me and my husband always <laughs> said to each other. Oh, oh yeah, that's what our last me. name was Moore. So <laughs> right, it's I Love, Love You More, that. like M-O-O-R-E. And then I just recently became – there's no, like, Modern Widows Club chapter here in San Diego. The closest Mm -hmm. one is L.A. Okay. And as people in San Diego don't go to L.A., we just try to avoid that (laughs) place. So I reached out to Modern Widows Club a couple weeks ago, and I said, hey, guys, like, we need a chapter here, and I want to lead it. And so – I actually have my first meeting with them tonight oh, oh wow. wow that's amazing yeah.
1: and what does I've never heard of the modern widows club
2: so it is um basically just like an, a nonprofit organization that was started by a widow named Carolyn Moore actually and oh. they have chapters all over and it's international too so I just happen to be looking for something with like young widows, mm-hmm. right? Like I feel yeah. like young widows are we're like unicorns. Like everybody thinks like widows are supposed to be like in their 70s or yep. you know, older. And so when I became such a young widow, I wanted to connect with other young widows. And yeah. so I actually 6 weeks after he passed, there was um Camp Widow, and I think they have one in Toronto. Okay. But they do one in San Diego every year. And so I went to that and that was kind of like my first experience with other widows. Once I kind of saw that like, wow, you know, there's young widows and just kind of like talking to people and hearing their experiences. I just felt very much, very relieved that I could connect with people that could understand this level of grief. Because even though I had a big support system with family and friends, it's not the same with people that haven't truly experienced it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. yeah, we've talked a lot, like Michelle said, There's nobody's written a book that's like, okay, you're in your 30s and now you're a widow with kids. Yeah. Here's step Mm -hmm. one through five. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like there's just nothing. And I as a society, I think we just when you become a widow after you've lived this long life and your partner dies in a in a way that you would think would be typical at an age that you think would be typical. Mm -hmm. And there's just nothing that talks about. I
0: don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's one offs. Like there's there's things here and there like um, Nora, who does the terrible things for asking podcast. I mean, I I Mm -hmm. watched her TED talk and, you know, things like that. But yeah, there's not like a uh, and I always feel I guess this is me putting it on myself, but I feel like I would feel out of place at a maybe group widow meeting or you know what I mean? Like I just Mm -hmm. feel like I wouldn't have anything in common with with them because maybe of my age or or the circumstances or things like that right so
2: and I think too because like I did go to one group when I first became widowed and I was the youngest one there by probably 20-30 years oh wow yeah. Um, and I felt very disregarded for what I was going through because they were all older women and they were like oh well you're young and beautiful you'll be fine you'll, you'll find love again yeah it kind of I got pretty upset because I was like you know first of all like I'm still a widow don't discount what Absolutely. I've gone through yeah I'm a widow raising two young children having to you know deal with my grief as well as dealing with theirs whereas what if I were to say to an older widow like oh well at least you got you know 60 years together like yeah. you have no reason to be sad you lived a full life you wouldn't say that no. you wouldn't discount no. what somebody's gone through and so that's what made me really want to kind of get involved and have a group and obviously I mean what the chapter is not like it's not age specific it's not I mean we could have older widows we could have younger yeah. widows but here, especially in San Diego, we have such a strong military presence Oh and there's a lot of young widows. And so I was very surprised that there wasn't a chapter for this. That's so true. I've already had in the last week, like 10 young widows reach out to me and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Like, when do you start?
1: Oh, that's wow. amazing. Have you received a lot of ignorant comments pretending to be support or attempting to be should support? Because I think people's intentions sometimes just are good, but. come across like idiots
2: (laughs) yeah I mean I think just like in general our society doesn't they don't like grief grief makes people uncomfortable yeah and people pretty much want to disappear until they think that you're over it or you're fine or you're healed and I think what people don't realize is you're never truly healed yeah so, I had somebody ask me, like, well, how long are you going to be grieving? And I'm oh, like, mm, probably God. as long as he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. yeah. probably just as long. As, and that doesn't mean that I can't find happiness. I mean, obviously, I'm dating somebody who we're very much in love. Our kids get along. We have a lot of fun together. But with that, I think people think, like, oh, well, she's fixed now because now she's dating somebody. So she's right, fixed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I've had to explain to a few of my friends that, you know, the complicated emotions that come with dating during grief is hard too because. You know, you're still in love with the person who passed, but then now you're falling in love with this other person. So then sometimes I struggle with the emotions like, well, am I cheating on my husband when I'm with my boyfriend? Am I cheating on my boyfriend if I'm thinking about my husband? Or, you know, just people wanting to judge, you know, I'm moving on too soon. Am I not moving on fast enough? There's just a lot of... All of those complicated, messy things. Yeah. Yeah. And and then to also
0: be able to find a person who's going to hold space for your husband, that they're not going to be jealous or they're not going to feel weird about you having his picture or, or, you know, talking about him or sharing about him.
1: Yeah. What's so interesting about dating after loss Mm -hmm. versus dating after divorce, you know, Mm there, it's so different. So how did you sort of navigate deciding like, okay, I'm going to start dating and then finding people to date and being open and honest about
2: your husband? Well, I was, um, so I kind of just, went on one of those dating sites. I didn't, I didn't really have a whole lot of expectations. I just thought "Uh, if I can like meet somebody and connect with somebody and it was COVID. So kind of had an excuse not to meet with people in person. So you could do kind of more like the phone thing and get to know them a little bit better before you made an effort to go out with them. Yeah. Yeah, There was quite a few people that, yeah, like they would get jealous of if I would talk about them. And I'm like, you're really jealous of a dead guy. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, yeah. he's <laughs> yeah. he's not coming back, you know, like, obviously, I still have these feelings for him. But it's, it's hard to explain the feelings, because yeah. it's not like, I'm sitting around missing him and wishing, like wishing he was here all the time. But obviously, I I do miss him. He was my husband for almost eleven years and wow. father of my children. But yeah, finally, I just met a guy who he's just very open and understanding and lets me grieve when I need to grieve. And he knows, like when I'm having a hard day, like on Mother's Day. Mother's Day was very hard for me because it's hard to have the person who made you a mom not be here anymore, you yeah. know? And that's kind of the person who celebrates you with the kids, right? So Mother's Day for me is always really hard. And so this year, he brought me this big bouquet of flowers and took me and the kids out to lunch and, like, just really, like, going above and beyond to make sure that he knows when I'm having the hard days that he's, like, totally there for me. So
0: Yeah. Oh, that's it's wonderful. Been
2: awesome. Wow. wow. I'm so
0: happy. That's so nice.
2: Ooh, I am okay. not
0: dating until I'm in my 80s, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's what I said too, but then, like I said, I just happened to meet this guy and I thought, hey, you know, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not right. gonna just let this good guy go because you know somebody might think it's too soon Absolutely. or whatever.
0: Oh, and and mine's not judgment at all, it's yeah, not yeah. Too soon. I just feel like, oh, I just like you don't it's a headache, to even yeah. think about it. It's it's,
2: it's, it's hard, of, that's yeah. how I was in the beginning, like yeah. honestly. I had um, talked to and gone out with a couple guys, and then I literally was getting ready to delete the app when he sent me a message, and then oh. we just started talking, and it was like, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, this works.
2: <laughs> yeah, so it, we just kind of clicked. Oh, so. that's
0: wonderful. So, did you do you want to share um, maybe your website and your some of your resources with with everyone? So yeah. What can
1: is can your do? iTunes? How do we find on iTunes? Because I'm downloading it for Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've like made so... a list of things that you've talked about for Michelle.
2: It's on iTunes and Google Music and Spotify, and it's called Grief to Gratitude Hypno Meditations. Okay. And so I'm sure if you type up Grief to Gratitude and Victoria Moore Hypno Meditation Album, it should hopefully come up. I could send you links too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then my website. So I have a couple different websites because I'm kind of like branching out and stuff. Mm -hmm. So yogimami.com, Y-O-G-I-M-A-M-I.com. That is my initial first website, um, and that one has links to all my meditation albums on there. And then VictoriaANmore.com is kind of the website that I'm working on right now because that one's going to focus more on grief and loss. I didn't want Yogi Mommy to be completely bogged down uh-huh. with yeah. grief and loss. I still wanted it to be more more about like emotional wellness and healthy living tips and stuff like that. Um, But I still do talk very much in there about my story, but then I wanted one that was just completely dedicated to other widows and people that are kind of in the emotional space that I'm in right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Carling's going to sneak into my house and play me meditation while I'm sleeping.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do it. Put it on your phone and listen to it when you go to sleep at night. That's what I did. That's amazing. I I did
0: take a little griefcation of last month. Cause I haven't been able to process my husband's death like fully because of, you know, kids and everything. Right. So Mm -hmm. I did go to a hotel for a few days and listen to some meditations and listen to some Ted talks and.
2: It was yeah, nice to kind
0: know. of start processing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Have you guys, Um, you should check out that Camp Widow. I know that they, like yeah. I said, they have, they're in San Diego and I think Tampa and I think Toronto every year. Okay.
0: Well, I feel and like then, we need to
2: send Michelle to the San Diego one. I was going to say, I'm going to go to the San you. Diego
0: one and then I'm going to find you. Yeah, San Diego <laughs> one. we'll hang out.
1: That sounds amazing. Yeah. How, uh, one question I had was, I'm um, Just thinking about Michelle's griefcation, how did you hold space for yourself when you also had your kids grief and you also had your parents? I think one thing that isn't talked about enough that we've talked about on our Patreon is sort of everybody else is also grieving. And mm-hmm. you, you know, Michelle has talked about her experience as people coming up and being like, I'm so sorry. And her being like, no, I'm so sorry. Like, like you
0: lost him too. You yeah, know? you yeah. lost
1: your, your son-in-law or your brother mm-hmm. or your yeah. You know, and so how do you hold space for yourself to feel that grief while also still managing all everything else?
2: Um, I mean, mostly just, you know, having open dialogue, mm-hmm. sharing with people, t- telling a lot of stories. I like to tell like stories or, you know, oh, he loved it when you did this or he, you know, remember that one time when we took this trip? Just, I don't know. I just mm-hmm. feel like talking about it, letting them know that it's okay to talk about him. Yeah. It doesn't, I think, I think people are so afraid to upset The widow, right? They don't want to say anything that's going to make you upset. And so I would kind of just try to normalize talking about him. Like, Hey, we could talk about him and share stories and memories and we can cry. Like that's okay. And we could laugh and, We could talk about his favorite song. And so just, I guess, letting them know that, that it's not going to make you so uncomfortable that you can't handle it, that it's actually kind of comforting. And I think that that's comforting to them too, because I feel like everybody's kind of walking around on eggshells, not wanting to upset you. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: And so when you can kind of let them know that you're comfortable just talking about him and talking about his story and, you know, memories and things like that, I think it's helpful to the other people that are also grieving that loss.
1: Did you seek out your own support for mental health? Like, did you seek out therapy?
2: The kids and I went to therapy for a couple months and then COVID happened. Yeah, And so we haven't really gone back, but we kind of, you know, we do a lot with like just journaling and meditation and talking about it a lot Uh ourselves. And so we seem to be healing pretty well. Um, I'm not going to say that we're not going to go back to counseling, you know, someday in the future could possibly happen. But for now, we're just kind of just doing our stuff on our own. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's important to find what's going to work for you, right? It's not going to be the same as what works for everybody. And exactly. especially because you have such a um, like healing mindset and that's what you do, I'm sure that that's really helpful to have that background and to know meditations or journaling and, and what's going to help.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm so blessed that I learned all this stuff before mm-hmm. all this happened because it's been a huge part of our healing process. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: The work that you're doing, I think it's so important and I appreciate your openness Openness, to share so candidly about your experience.
2: Oh, thank you guys for having me. I'm so honored.
1: Oh my gosh, we're so honored.
2: Oh my gosh,
0: I know. Whenever
1: people are like, "Oh, I'm so happy to be on your podcast," I'm like, "No, I'm happy you're on my
2: podcast." (laughs) I
0: love it. No, I mean, don't be freaked out if we like come and find you
2: because (laughs) (laughs) Um, you better do it. I'm telling you. Yeah, Camp Widow in October here in San Diego. It'll be cold for you guys. It'll probably still be nice and warm for us.
1: Yeah, yeah, you guys should
2: come check it out. I know when you
1: said they have one in Toronto, I was like, why would we go to Toronto? (laughs) Why would I go there? Yeah, it's probably cheaper flight to California for us because we're on the west side. So yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for sharing your story. And we'll make sure to in our show notes, put links to all of these websites and resources. Mm -hmm. I think so many people are going to get a lot out of of hearing your story
2: absolutely oh i hope so thank you guys for having me awesome awesome well enjoy the rest of your day yes thank you guys thank you we'll talk to you
1: soon bye okay bye-bye hey
2: Hey. michelle (laughs)
0: oh hey carling hey girl victoria did we just make a new best friend she is my new best friend oh oh (laughs) i see okay fine yeah i mean i get it no, I am going to Camp Widow this year. I've actually already taken the time off work, and I talked to my mom about watching the kids. Are you serious? It is happening. Yeah. Am I coming? Totally, you're
1: coming. I'm not a widow, but but I could be your emotional support friend. There we go. It's poolside <laughs> at the Marriott, drinking margaritas. Yeah. I mean, while I
0: cry in a yeah. boardroom. <laughs> I'll so. be in good time by the time you're done. <laughs> I come out just like broken and sobbing, and you're like, "Hey, girl." If you like pina coladas, <laughs> getting caught oh in the rain. Oh my gosh, no. Victoria is incredible. I'm signing you up for all of her workshops. I'm doing it. Like, you and
1: her need to do some one-on-one. Her and I need to meet. Yeah. I mean, that's you said it in the episode. I kept the piece where you're like, don't be alarmed if we find you. If we find you. (laughs) Hey, girl. (laughs) But seriously, Victoria, thank you so much. I'm so thankful that you reached out and you Mm -hmm. trusted us with your story. And, you know, and all the work that
0: she's doing is just incredible. And she's taken all of her knowledge of meditation and yoga and turned it into this thing of grief and helping and. I mean, it's amazing. It's really good. And I think it's so, yeah, it's, this is a really
1: tricky topic and it's a really sad story and, you know, she can bring such a renewed sense of like, you know, her purpose and what she's doing with her grief. And I think that's really
0: great. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Well. Well. Uh you guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on social media. Mm-hmm. We are on TikTok. We're posting way more frequently. Yes, we are on Instagram at I did not sign up for this mm-hmm. dot podcast, and um, we post like teaser clips. We post giveaways. We post just random things. Ridiculousness. Yeah. And we're also on Facebook. We also have a Facebook group that Mm -hmm. we're terrible at being interactive with. We are very terrible. Disclaimer. (laughs) And um, we're also on Patreon. So I mentioned it at the top of the episode. But uh, if you want to support us in another way and if you want more content, then check us out at Patreon.com slash I did not sign up for this. Yes. And we have stickers and merch. Yes, we do. We have too many things going and on. And I am
0: just a sticker-making machine over I know. here. Your whole room is just covered in stickers. <laughs> and I just design a new sticker, like, every day. I know. It's funny.
1: Thanks. They are funny. It is funny. I <gasps> love it. Okay, speaking of stickers, this is just a quick side story. We have a problem, Canada. What? Dairy Queen has a Girl Guides cookie. Girl Guides cookies. Girl oh. Guide cookies blizzard okay <laughs> girls I, guides
0: cookies i don't know what
1: episode it is but i talk about my inability to refrain from eating girl guide cookies
0: and your inability to say it properly yeah because i say
1: girl guides <laughs> cookies as if i'm taking cookies from one specific girl guide which i probably have yeah but anyway they have a blizzard Wow. Well, and like i love blizzards i love minty girl guide let's cookies. get it what are we doing I don't here? Know. This is a slippery slope. We got to go. All right. Well, have a great week. We're <laughs> off to Dairy Queen. We will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.